Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we have an exclusive interview with Nigeria striker Odion Igalo, who's fulfilled his dream of playing for Manchester United, joining them on loan from China and even taking a pay cut. Because money is good, you know, but playing for Man United is the dream I had when I was little. So achieving them even make me even more greater in life. And to be the first Nigerian to play in Man United is a great record for me, which I will cherish all the days of my life. We also hear how Igalo lost his sister Mary, who died last December, and how he's dedicating his career to her. And we ask if Igalo will be a success at Manchester United. Plus lots on the latest VAR controversy in the English Premier League. But let's start with the CAF Champions League, as the first legs of the quarter-finals are on this weekend, and they are all blockbusters. Zamalek of Egypt host holders Esperance of Tunisia. Raja Casablanca of Morocco play DR Congo's TP Mezembe, who won the title five times. Another Moroccan club, Widat Casablanca, the 2017 champions, faced Tunisia's Etoile du Sahel. They were winners in 2007. And perhaps the standout tie, Ida, is record eight-time winners Al-Athli of Egypt, hosting the 2016 champions Mamelodi Sundowns from South Africa, as Sundowns beat Al-Athli 5-1 on aggregate last season. You know, Steve, there's been so much discussion of late on African football matters outside the pitch. And to be frank, you know, not too much about that has been positive. So it's really great to actually, you know, talk about what's going on on the pitch, you know. Uh, but yes, as for Al Ali versus Mamelodi, well, Mamelodi touched down in Egypt in the course of the week. But Steve, to say that they have been facing an injury crisis I think would be putting it lightly because they had five first team players out due to injury. And to make things worse is that most of these players are in defense, you know, and that also includes a uh, goalkeeper, Dennis Onyango, who, as a lot of people know, is a solid figure in between the posts. Anytime he's on the pitch, you know, adds some level of confidence to the team. So it really has been a rush against time for Mamelodi. And as much as we all see head coach Pitsomo Semene, he really tries to put out a very defiant and, you know, very entertaining, but also unfazed uh, look to the media. But yes, I would imagine that not all has been well for the Mamelodi Sandowns, but uh, the last time that the two teams played, well, uh, it played out like a movie, Steve, because uh, Al Ali won it 1-0 versus Mamelodi. Now, this was uh, a little under a year ago in April 2019. And uh, Al Ali won the first leg at home only to go to South Africa. Steven get walloped. 5-0 by Al Ali. So <laughs> I don't know whether that's a replica of things to come or, you know, that's a sign of things to come, but we'll see. And uh, as for Wedad Casablanca, well, they do have a new coach. His name, uh, Juan Garrido. And uh, Garrido, you know, ironically, coincidentally also coached derby rivals Raja. So this will be his first match in charge. You know, go figure. Your first match in charge is a CAF Champions League quarterfinal. But uh, between this and all the other matches, Steve, I'm sure it's some great action that will be lined up. 
Well, I couldn't agree more that it's good to be talking about action on the pitch rather than administrative issues indeed. Well, in sad news, former Confederation of African Football General Secretary Amra Fami died at the age of 37 after a two-year battle with cancer. The Egyptian served as General Secretary between November 2017 and April 2019 when he was removed from his position without explanation. Now, last December, Fami had announced he'd be running to be CAF's next president in elections set for next year, focusing on being pro-African, pro-football and anti-corruption. Uh, that dream will not be fulfilled now. Shortly before he was ousted from his role with CAF, Fami had surgery for a brain tumour. And our condolences to family and friends are of Amra Fami. So lots on today's show on Nigeria striker Odion Igalo, who fulfilled his dream of playing for Manchester United, joining them on loan from Chinese club Shanghai Shenhua for the rest of the season and even taking a pay cut to do so. Now, coming shortly, we'll hear from Igalo on the move. But first, he's a player that we've had several interviews with over the years here on Planet Sport Football Africa, as we've heard about his faith as a follower of Jesus and his charitable works, including an orphanage that he has in Lagos. Here's an interview that to Planet Sport Football Africa's Tom Ellis had with Igalo on the pitch at Vicarage Road in May 2015, when Igalo was playing for Watford as they drew their final championship game of the season with Sheffield Wednesday as they got promoted to the Premier League. Yeah, I'm very happy. My first season in England Championship. And we, we promoted and had a good season with 20 goals. I can't ask God for more. I'm very grateful to God for this great achievement. And... Um, with the promotion to the Premier League, though today I was not, not that happy because we want to win Champions League, uh, the championship because I've never got any gold medal in my career before, so this opportunity for me to win it. But football, anything can happen. If they told us six weeks, six weeks ago that we're going to come, uh, we're going to go direct to the to the Premier League, I won't believe. So we have to thank God for any situation we find ourselves. So I'm very happy and I'm grateful to God. And what are you going to do to celebrate? Yeah, as you can see, my family are here. My friends and family are here. I'm going home to celebrate with them and because this is a marvellous season for me, so I can't ask God for more. just have to think about the Premier League. You know, This is the, my first season in Championship with 20 goals and uh, the team got promoted, so it's one of the best seasons of my, of, my, of my career. So I'm going to celebrate as much as I can Then after that then prepare for the next season. Yeah. And you're wearing the T-shirt now. Thank you, Jesus. Um, how important is it for you to wear that T-shirt in, in occasions like this? Yeah, because I, I believe in God. Without God, I won't be where I am today. And everything I do, I always give back the glory to God. I'll never share the glory because this season was marvellous. If it's not for God, I won't achieve what I achieved today. So anywhere I go, I, I like to bring the name of the, God, uh, the Lord out because he has been my help. I can't do anything without him. So I have to return all the glory to, to God. And I thank God for this great season. And I dedicate this season to God Almighty and, and my family. And next season, what's it got in store? How excited are you for the, for the Premier League? Yeah, before I came to England, this is one my, my dream. I didn't come to England to come and play in Championship because I, I have seen the, the, the team. I've been following Watford for like three seasons. They have a good team and I see they have every opportunity to play in the Premiership. That's why I came here. I won't come here because they, I have to come and play in Champions League because you can see I've played in Italian League, I've played in the Spanish League. So my dream is to play in the Premier League. And thank God I've got the ticket now to play in the Premier League. So I'm looking forward to it. I, I know it's not going to be easy, but I'm going to work hard and step up my game and I know I can do it there. 
So from our archive, Orion Igalu speaking in 2015 when Watford got promoted. Uh, of course, they are still in the Premier League now. Igalu played against them last Sunday, coming on as a sub for Man United in their 3-0 win at Old Trafford. Now in 2017, Igalu moved to China, playing for Changchun Yatai and then Shanghai Shenhua, who agreed to the loan to Manchester United. Last December, Igalo lost his sister Mary, who died in Canada. She was 43 and a big fan of Manchester United, and Mary had hoped to see her young brother one day play for the Old Trafford club. Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji spoke to Igalo about this tragedy and more about the move to Manchester United. Sheena first asked Igalo what really happened to his sister. Yeah, my sister fell and died uh one morning he woke up on the 12th of december and tried to get her kids ready for school she just collapsed and died before the kids called the ambulance because she lives alone with the kids the husband always travel for work before the ambulance came and tried to revive her before the rush out to hospital she uh, she gave up the ghost so it's a very painful one well we thank god for everything i recall um from one picture that you posted in 2013, she left a very interesting comment there saying, Sir Alex Ferguson, we are here now, ready to do the deal. Um, was she was she a United fan? Was she a Manchester United fan? My sister is a strong United fan. All of us grew up in Ajegule watching United. We supported United. All my siblings were United fans. Even till now, even when she got married, her husband support Chelsea. The kids, some of them support Man City and Liverpool, but she's still a United fan. So she's always praying for me. Even when I was playing in Premier League, when she come, she came to watch me. She's praying for me to sign for United and all that. The painful part now is I'm signing. I already signed for United and she's not here to watch it. But like I said, she's always up there watching me. That's why. I, gonna play with her name on my football shoes so that I know she's always with me in No Trafford or playing any game for Man United because she's a strong Man United fan. You share something passionate um, about your sister. You you have a boot that you've um, really inscribed um, a name and a date of death. Um, do you want to be scoring every goal now for Mary and dedicating those goals to her? Yeah, of course. Every goal I score from now on till I'll finish my career will be dedicated to God and to my late sister, Mary Atoli. That's why I've decided to write her name in my T-shirt. And I decided to write her name in my boot and I have a special T-shirt I wear always, even in my hotel, white T-shirt, which I dedicated to. I always put that on to pray and i going to be dedicated goes to her anytime I score by showing the world that shit because she's always with me. A lot of people don't know the things that you've had to do to actually, um, you know, make the dream of playing for Man United come true. I mean, not many footballers take a pay cut in football. Instead, they want more. But why did you reject another team willing to pay more for the one that will see you lose money? Yeah, I know, you know, like I said, I'm a Man United fan from when I was young. It's my dream to play for Man United. So when the opportunity comes, I don't want nothing to stop it, you know, not even more money, not even anything to stop ambition, you know. Uh, like I say, uh, playing, letting my dream come to pass would be fulfilling for me than having more money. But for Of course, money is good, you know, but playing for Man United is the dream I had when I was little. So achieving them, 
even make me even more greater in life. To, and to be the first Nigerian to play in Man United is a great record for me, which I will cherish all the days of my life. The discussion about this transfer took about a week or thereabouts. Um, were you scared at any point during discussions that the news about the coronavirus going on in China, you know, could affect you fulfilling a lifelong dream of um, joining Manchester United? Yeah, I was a bit scared because when my agent called me from Norway and said that my United want me and they are they are looking at that two striker, you know, because you are far away in China because of the coronavirus and all that, you know. But I wanted it to happen, but I was not under any pressure, you know, because even people started sending messages. The guy that was controlling my fan page, Femi, was telling me, ah, uh, Papa, see what I'm hearing, hope it's going to happen. Another, I said, well, if it is the will of God, it will happen. If it's not the will of God, then it's not going to happen. He said, Papa, don't say that. You have to have faith. I said, I have faith. But I want only the will of God to be done, not your own will, not any man's will. That's what I said to him. So I was relaxed. I was calm. Until Atta called me and said, oh, man, you have decided I want to come for me. Then before I know, this is reality. And I got the message which they sent to him and all that, that they want me before I started pushing and make it happen. Unlike um, others who were looking to leave China because of the virus, your agent said it took Man United to make you take the deal because you said you want to be a part of China. This is life. You can't just run away because there's a little problem facing the country. Of course, you know, because uh, playing in China, I enjoyed my last three years there and I'm very okay there. I had some offers from Premier League. I had so many offers in Europe to come back to Europe to play. But I told my agent, if it is not Man United, I'm not coming to Europe, you understand. You can even imagine for me to get a pay cut to play for Man United. You know that I really want the Man United there because this is my dream. This is club I supported. I've been in Old Trafford to watch a game, to go to the stadium and do tour. But this is me going to be playing in Old Trafford. So I don't want nothing to spoil that dream, you know. Like I said, some other Premier League team came, some of them more money, even some other. T- I said, no, if it's not my United, don't speak. So let's just do the deal with my United. I don't mind the pay cuts. That's it. The high number, I mean, the death toll in this um, coronavirus case. Um, do you have a message for the victims and um, families of um, those affected by this? It's sad, you know, because uh, uh, it's not really good what's going on there. I feel sorry for those who have who have lost their life or, or or those who have contacted this virus. I'm praying for for China. I'm praying for one as a city, and I'm praying for all those infected because China is part of my life. You never call Igalo my history or anything, and you don't put China among it. Like I said. I've lived there for three years. I have had no problem with anyone, nothing. I enjoyed every bit of my stay in China. It's one of the best country I've ever played in. So I feel sorry this is going on and I pray by God's grace this is going to be resolved very soon so that people can live normal life there. I'm praying for China seriously and I'm praying for the victims there. God bless China. So that's Nigeria and Manchester United striker Odion Igalo speaking to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji. A great insight into his life and what he's been going through of late. Uh, now, Man United fans here in Zimbabwe were not really that impressed with the signing of Igalo, uh, generally speaking, although personally I believe he is a natural goal-getter. He was top scorer at the Nations Cup last year. But to Ida, what do people think there in Kenya? 
Well, there have been mixed reactions to Igalo signing for Manchester United. Some level of apprehension, Steve, from uh, some fans. However, there was a very collective um, feeling of surprise, I will say, to, you know, Igalo becoming the first Nigerian Red Devil. So let's actually hear it from the fans. I think it was a panic buy. I don't think he's going to be the main man or to play a crucial role. He's more of a backup striker. And if you watched even the last game, he came from the bench late, late into the game. So I think that's the role he's going to play. I think he made a, a, a brilliant move because sometimes in life you have to take a step back and you want to look at uh, the end goal. I think it's an opportunity also for him to try to take his level or rather his game to the next level so hopefully it's going to be a good opportunity but I'm also hopefully he's going to get the opportunity to actually get to prove himself because he has a very short time. So fans in Nairobi not that enthused about the signing of Odion Igalo. A very interesting idea on Igalo taking a pay cut saying that fulfilling his dream was more important. I totally, totally agree, Stephen. While it may be arguable for many, but there are some things out there that are truly bigger than money, and self-actualization has to be one of them. I mean, we've seen pictures doing the rounds on social media, Steve, of Igalo rocking a Manchester United jersey as a teenager long before he ever dreamt that he could get signed by one of the biggest clubs in the world. And or you hear him talking about his late sister, Mary, and you realize just how deep the love for this club actually ran in the family. So this is well beyond money, I think. And while on a deeper level, it is definitely about, you know, securing the future for he and his family, Look, many would be forgiven for thinking that he has already done a substantial part of that with the years that he's been in Asia. And at the end of the day, despite him taking a pay cut, Steve, I don't think, you know, United are paying him too badly. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm sure it's enough to get by on. (laughs) Thanks, Ida. Let's get a view from Stuart Weir in the UK now. And Man United manager Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has said that if Igalo impresses, he could get a longer deal with the club when this loan spell ends at the end of the season. Can you see that happening, Stuart? In the game... In the Premier League against Chelsea, he had one minute to play. Against Watford, as a substitute again, 11 minutes. I certainly cannot see him becoming a starting player in the Premier League team. And with Rashford fit again, he and Martial, you'd expect to be the main strikers, with Greenwood, uh, the first choice. So at best, Igalo, I think, will be the fourth striker. And you could even argue that Lingard, uh, an attacking midfield player is almost a striker. So if Igalo does stay at Manchester United, it will be very much as a fringe player and not as a starting lineup player. Well, thanks, Stuart. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this this week on social media. Will Igalo shine at Manchester United? Well, manager Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has said that if Igalo impresses, he could get a longer deal with the club. That's when his loan spell finishes at the end of the season. But is there too much competition up front for places, as Stuart has suggested? Can he get the goals? What about scoring in the Europa League on Thursday night in his first start for the club? That surely was a promising sign for Igalo. You can go to our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, and post a comment there, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Will Odion Igalo shine at Manchester United? 
Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. You can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programmes too in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can listen too on our New Look website, that's planetsport.tv. Our other shows are there too, that's Planet Sport and the Planet Sport Rugby podcast, plus interviews with various sports stars including Brazil's Kaká and Collins Fai of Cameroon. And in the About Us section, there's pictures and profiles of all of us on the team, that's on our New Look website, planetsport.tv. Well, our European football expert Stuart Weir still with us and lots happening in European football right now. The El Clasico on this Sunday, Real Madrid hosts Barcelona. Interesting games this past week in the UEFA Champions League, round of 16 first legs. Manchester City, a great 2-1 win away to Real Madrid. That a first defeat for Zinedine Zidane as Real Madrid manager in a knockout game in the Champions League. But Zidane is still to lose a knockout tie over the two legs. Barcelona, unimpressive, but got a 1-1 draw away to Napoli. Leon, a fantastic 1-0 win over Cristiano Ronaldo's Juventus. And to Stuart Wow, a Bayern Munich way too good for Chelsea, winning 3-0 at Stamford Bridge. In the Chelsea-Bayern game, Serge Gnabry scored two goals. He's an interesting player. His mother is German and his father Ivorian. He was at Arsenal for five years from the age of 17. And before his 19th birthday, he had played in nine Premier League games and scored for Arsenal, but then never played another game. After one season at Werder Bremen in Germany, he moved to Bayern Munich, where he scored 20 goals in 70 league games for the club, as well as 13 goals in 13 games for Germany. And he certainly seems to like playing in Britain, because he scored three times when Bayern beat Tottenham in London earlier this season. That was the 7-2 win. And in Germany's two games against Northern Ireland this season, he scored four goals. I suppose, sadly, we might say he has chosen to play for Germany rather than Ivory Coast. Incidentally, there was another incident I want to mention in that game because Chelsea's Marcus Alonso received a red card. It was initially a yellow, but when the referee himself reviewed the incident on the pitch side monitor, he changed the card to red. Steve, on Monday evening, I thought I was going to be reporting on a Liverpool defeat in the league because with just 35 minutes left, West Ham, through Fornals, took a 2-1 lead at Anfield. And frankly, they were good value for the lead. And then with 20 minutes to go, Mo Salah hit a weak shot straight at the West Ham goalkeeper Fabianski, who tragically allowed the ball to roll between his legs. Sadio Mane then scored a winner with 10 minutes to go and another win for Liverpool. So, playing Manchester City on Wednesday and Barcelona on Sunday, the games don't get any easier for Real Madrid. But a win in the El Clasico could take them to the top of La Liga in place of Barcelona, the current leaders. Yes, and in England, the EFL Cup final sees Aston Villa taking on Manchester City on Sunday. Liverpool play away to Watford on Saturday in the Premier League and Manchester United away to Everton. That's on Sunday after an encouraging display from Man United beating Watford comfortably 3-0 last weekend, Stuart. United need a win to keep their Champions League momentum going. But don't forget that Everton have taken more points since Angelotti became the manager than any other club in the Premier League apart from Liverpool. 
won't be easy. And Everton have had a week to prepare for the game, while United were playing in the Europa League on Thursday. Incidentally, Steve, Manchester United get more penalties than any other club in the Premier League. Last weekend was their 10th of the season, following 12 last season. But it doesn't seem to matter who takes penalties for Manchester City, as they miss them. They established a Premier League record missing four penalties in a row taken by different players. Aguero, Jesus, Gundogan and Sterling missed the last four penalties they received. The good news is against Real Madrid, Kevin De Bruyne took a penalty and scored it. Yes, well, I think that they paid all that money to convert those penalties, not to be missing them. And now, last weekend, the VAR came in for strong criticism in the English Premier League yet again, but particularly strongly this time, as there were controversies in three different games. Now, one of the biggest talking points has been that the VAR has contentiously ruled out a number of goals for marginal offences, where a player is offside by a millimetre or two even. Now, last week, FIFA's Chief of Global Development, Arsene Wenger, says there might be room to change the offside rule in light of this. Now, former Arsenal manager Wenger sits on the technical panel of the International Football Association Board, which sets football's rules. They'll hold their annual general meeting this weekend. So much to talk about on this, Stuart. It's ironic, Steve, that we had scheduled a discussion of VAR for this week, and it comes after the worst weekend, arguably, in VAR history in the Premier League in terms of the decisions made. Example one, Bournemouth lost 3-0 to Burnley, but without VAR, the score would have been 2-2. Example two, we had two seemingly identical handballs in the Leicester-Manchester City game, one resulting in a penalty for Manchester City, the other one, no penalty. In the Chelsea-Tottenham game, incredibly, the VAR officials admitted after the game that they should have awarded a red card to Giovanni Lo Celso for a stamp on Chelsea's Aspilicueta. You know, the major concern in all these decisions was that VAR made the decision, and in none of them did they decide to recommend to the referee that he look at the pitch side monitor, although that allegedly is the policy. And that takes me back to some helpful comments made by Arsene Wenger, who, as you say, has been appointed to a role in FIFA as Chief of Global Football Development, which involves advising the international board which oversees the laws. Wenger had some interesting things to say about VAR. He said, let's not forget that VAR means video assistant referee. It's video assistance for the referee. So VAR should not be the ones making the decision, but they should be helping the referee to make the right decision. I have to say, I think he's talking a lot of sense, and it's great that FIFA have him involved. Increasingly, one comes to the conclusion that the problem is not so much with VAR, but with the way it's being used in the Premier League and also with the lack of clarity or inconsistency in how the laws of the game are applied. I think the first principle that everyone seems to agree on is that it's better for the match referee to make the final decision. To quote Arsene Wenger, the video assistant referee is there to assist the referee, not to overrule him. That means, for example, with the four possible handballs in the Bournemouth, Burnley, Manchester City, Leicester games, 
VAR should have alerted the referee to check the incident on the monitor rather than simply overrule him. I've said this before, but rugby in Britain has been using the television match official for much longer. And they show the incident on a big screen so that all spectators in the stadium can see the pictures and know what's happening. Contrast that with the Premier League, where the fan simply knows something is being reviewed and doesn't sometimes know why the goal was allowed or disallowed. The issue of what constitutes intentional handball has always been a grey area, and the use of VAR has frankly not helped that at all. There have been criticisms of the interpretation of offside, with goals being ruled out because a player's toe or armpit are in an offside position. As you say, Steve, Arsene Wenger is arguing that a player should not be offside unless there is daylight between the forward and the last defender. Although, ironically, this week, two Premier League managers have spoken out against this. Ralph Hasenhutl at Southampton said, to be honest, the only rule that really works for the VAR is offside. So why do we want to change that? It's the only thing that's black and white. It's either right or wrong. The rest is subjective. And similar comments from Eddie Howe, saying that he was much more concerned about handball than about offside. So the conclusion is that there are definitely problems with VAR, but no consensus about solutions. Yes, I mean, I think if you change the offside law to look at the back of the player rather than the front, you'll still end up drawing a line on the screen and it will still come down to a matter of millimetres in some cases. So I'm with Hassan Huttle on that one, that indeed you do have to draw the line somewhere. Endless talking points on this on the video assistant referee. Thanks, Stuart. Uh, that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Ida Wairinga in Nairobi, and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.